guys, what's up? It's Lisa, and you're listening to What's Next with Lisa. Today is Monday, November 2nd, 2020, and I'm really excited um, about my topic today and getting into this. We're going to be talking about anxiety, and anxiety is something that we hear about a lot. Uh, people having anxiety, people feeling stressed, and a lot of times the goal is to try to figure out how to make it go away, which I think adds a lot more pressure to us in managing that anxiety. So what if for a minute you figured out um, what to do with that anxiety, where to put it, and that's a better way to maybe help manage it rather than making it go away. But before we get into that, let's get over to the official what's next question and answer. Hey, what's next? Okay, empty nexters. So last week we talked about red flags in relationships, how to spot them, what to do with them, and how to spot them early enough that hopefully you can avoid a potentially bad situation. And I received a lot of questions after that podcast um, with specific examples of, hey, Lisa, do you think drinking is a red flag? Do you think this kind of communication is a red flag? And so lots of different specific examples. And What I wanted to share today is rather than going through each of those examples that I got, I just want to give everyone a sort of blanket reminder that red flags and deal breakers are going to be different for everyone. So we're each going to have a different set of standards for what's important to us in a relationship how we navigate that relationship and what's a deal breaker and what's not. My deal breakers in a relationship are probably going to be different than the next three, four, five people because I'm a different person. So what I would encourage you all to do is to sit down and make a list of what's important to you. What kind of person do you want to be with? That's the only way you're really going to be able to define a set of real red flags and deal breakers. And once you have that list that you can commit to and that you feel good about, that's how you're going to know to navigate new relationships in a way that honors you, that chooses you. And, you know, like I said, it's going to be different for everyone. So, for example, You know, somebody might say drinking is a non-negotiable or a red flag if somebody's drinking too much in a relationship. Well, that's fine for that person. However, that might not be a deal breaker for the next person. So you have to decide what's important to you. How are you going to honor that and show up and choose you? And then you need to decide, is this something that I want to deal with? Is this something that I want to have a conversation with somebody about? And I would tell you, you know, in closing as well, it's really important that you start investing in people, not based on how much you like them, but also what you're getting in return. So if you try to be vulnerable and you like somebody and you're not getting that back, you've got to ask yourself, why am I continuing to chase this person around and not choose myself? And so, you know, that's kind of my blanket statements on specific red flags. Sit down, commit to yourself, honor you, and do what you know you need to do. Okay, I hope that helps. 
So if you guys have questions, show topic ideas, email me at whatsnextwithlisa at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at whatsnextwithlisa. And on my Instagram and Twitter pages, I give you little tidbits of information that hopefully you can use in your daily life, as well as let you know what's coming up on the show. So without further ado, let's get into this. Anxiety. We hear a lot about anxiety, I feel like, especially with everything going on in the world today. And I can tell you, I'm a million years old. And I didn't really hear a lot about anxiety growing up. Um, And I think a lot of times we called it stress. Oh, I'm really stressed. And people are still stressed. But I think that's manifesting itself into anxiety. I hear a lot of younger kids, like high school age kids, coming into my private practice office saying, oh, I have anxiety. I have anxiety. And when we really try to pinpoint what's making them anxious, it's usually an overwhelm of things going on in their life, um, difficult situations, social situations to navigate. And even with my older clients that say, "I, you know, I struggle with anxiety, I always try to get people to pinpoint, okay, what's making you anxious? And that's easier said than done because a lot of times the anxiety that we have, we get so scared that it's going to manifest itself into something that lasts for days or even a panic attack that we, it makes the anxiety worse just by having anxiety about the anxiety, right? And it's this really heavy pressure because we don't want to feel that way. That doesn't feel good to navigate life that way. And so what I started thinking about when I started seeing a lot of people of all different age groups coming in saying, I have anxiety. What I really wanted to do is, yes, give some coping mechanisms, some some tools for your toolbox, right, to try to remedy that anxiety in the moment. However, what I started realizing was the more pressure we put on ourselves to just say, I need this to go away, I don't want to feel this way, I thought we're not really giving our brains and our bodies an opportunity to know what to do with that. And if you've listened to my podcast on feelings and emotions, I say that they're always sort of these flashing lights or um, roadmaps, for lack of a better term, to what your body needs. And so what what are you needing? And I think anxiety a lot of times is the same way. It's an indication that you're in need of something, whether that's to problem solve a perceived fear, whether that's to take care of yourself in the moment, which we'll get into all of this. But I think that our anxiety could start to be an indicator to, hey, what's our body need and how can we act on that? And rather than making it go away, understand and accept that it's part of our process, but we have a duty to listen to it to try to help to make ourselves feel better. And like I said, we'll get into all of that. But before we do, I want to take a little bit more of an in-depth look about what anxiety actually is and where it comes from. It's real tricky. It's not something that we can just say, oh, absolutely, you, you know, have this, this, and this going on with you. So yes, you have generalized anxiety disorder. It's a really difficult question to answer. You know, it's not like having a cold or something definitive. You don't just wake up with it one day um, because you forgot to wash your hands, right? So I would tell you that most anxiety disorders really manifest themselves over years of experiences. And while we do know that anxiety has 
a genetic component, meaning that it tends to run in families, there's a lot of questions surrounding that because your upbringing or how you were parented, right, in your environment could be a component to that because all your experiences can craft an anxiety disorder. And just as any experience or any trauma in your life um, can ensure that you either have anxiety surrounding an isolated incident or just sort of life in general. So if you watched your parents be anxious, if they raised you in an environment full of chaos and anxiety, odds are you you might have anxiety because that was your environment and that's how you learn to cope. So it's important to be mindful of that. You know, there are there's a lot of different ways to try to understand anxiety biological causes are one of them. So we know that, like I said, genetics and biology can play a role in the creation of anxiety disorders. It does appear to run in families, but you can take two people with pretty similar experiences. One may have an anxiety disorder and one may not. Um, The only difference between them actually may be genetic or at least being influenced by the body kind of more than the mind. And what I mean by that is that they've done a lot of studies trying to figure out what anxiety is, where it comes from. And a lot of studies have actually shown some brain chemistry imbalances um, are very likely the cause of some anxiety disorders. And the research tends to show that those suffering from anxiety have issues with what we call neurotransmitters or the chemicals in your brain like serotonin, norepinephrine, and, um, you know, and we know that those chemicals play a role and you've heard them called your happy chemicals. Um, And a lot of times if there's an imbalance in those, um, you could have an anxiety disorder. Here's where it gets tricky though. It's not entirely clear if the chemical imbalance was actually due to poor coping strategies growing up or if the imbalances came first and then led to the anxiety. So what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? And it's hard to really define if that's an experience or an upbringing. So like I said, you were raised with anxious parents, you learned to cope with anxiety, and, and or your your chemical imbalance came first. So it's it's a difficult thing to try to start to you know, dive into these brain, these chemicals, because we know that like, for example, serotonin, serotonin and norepinephrine, they play a role in our sleep, our mood, our emotional stability. And if those are all off, of course, you're going to be anxious, right? And so, you know, a lot of times, again, it's hard to say which came first. And I don't know so much that it matters where the anxiety came from. I think what's important to probably most of you listening today is, okay, now I have it. What the hell do I do with it? And to let's talk about the genetic component though too. So a lot of studies have also shown that a lot of times some people are more genetically prone to anxiety disorders than others. They definitely appear to be passed down from parents, uh, immediate family, so parents to children, especially like if you had a mom or a dad with a panic disorder, you know, and it's not really clear, again, how much of that is related to upbringing. And so studies have also shown that 
children that see anxiety in their parents are more likely to become anxious themselves. And so there is an immediate family, you know, component to that. And if you grew up in that environment, it's important to be mindful of it. This may be a learned thing. Um, And so, you know, there's a lot of, again, a lot of questions out there. And I would tell you, for most people, anxiety is going to be largely environmental. So for some people, you know, it could be difficult to find a cause at all. A a lot of things can cause us to be anxious. So the way we view the world, the way we cope, um, hormonal imbalances. I can tell you as I neared 40, I started having anxiety that I, I wasn't anxious about any one thing. I didn't know why I was feeling like this overwhelming, just sort of like panic feeling all the time. It was really bizarre to me. And as my hormones started to change, a lot of women start to report anxiety and panic attacks, you know, in their 40s. And that's exactly what happened to me. And so being mindful of that, I was able to take some steps to help myself and understand what was going on in my body. And so I would tell you that even if you have a genetic predisposition to anxiety, so family history, your environment and how you manage it is going to play a really key role into whether or not that manifests. And this is, it's a, it can be a debilitating thing. And I don't have to tell you guys that, that are listening. Anxiety is debilitating. It it can stop you from going to social events. It can stop you from going to work. It can cause constant fear and questioning yourself. And it doesn't feel good to sit alone with that. And so it's important to, I think, be mindful of the stress in your life um, and what types of situations are making you anxious. Um, If it's manifesting into panic attacks, how do we catch that early? And so being mindful of where you came from, if it's learned, if you had a traumatic event, those types of things can help you get to the root cause of, you know, I had a really terrible, um, for example, car accident. And so now I'm anxious when I get into cars. That's completely, um, I mean, I don't want to say normal, but understandable, I think is a better word. And so it's about working through that. So let's start with some tips and tricks to start to manage this. So when people come into my office and they say, I'm anxious, um, the first question I ask them is, is there one particular situation that makes you anxious more than others? And if there is, so for example, if it's social anxiety or it's anxiety over a new job or um, a first date, something like that. I have a checklist that I ask people to go through. And the first thing is I want you to ask yourself, okay, what is the perceived fear? So what what could be the worst that could happen here? So say, um, you know, it's social anxiety. Um, or let's use the let's use the starting a new job because I hear that one a lot. So what's the worst that could happen? Okay. Uh, maybe you might not know everything on the first day. You might struggle with learning new things. And that's a that's a fear, right? Okay, so what's the worst that could happen with that? Maybe you'd have to ask questions. Maybe you'll need some added support. 
And then once you've defined what the worst case is, I want you to say, is that really likely to happen? And what would happen to me if it did? You know, will I, will I live? Will I make it? And what you're starting to do is carve out a plan for what to do with this perceived fear. And so understanding that it's kind of just part of your process to be anxious means that your brain just needs a plan to calm itself down. Okay, so what's the worst thing that could happen? Great, so start there. The next thing is going to be, what's the best thing that could happen? Gosh, maybe I'll go into work and people are going to be really supportive and I'll feel comfortable asking questions and it'll be a really great day. Awesome. That would be the best case scenario, right? And so then what's the scenario kind of in the middle of those? What's most likely to happen? And, you know, maybe it is that you go in and you may not understand a lot of things at first and you ask a couple of questions. People are supportive and understand that you're new. That's probably most likely to happen, right? And so here's what that checklist does is what it does is it starts to give your brain something tangible to say, hey, we're afraid of something, we're anxious. So here's a really good roadmap or plan uh, to, to combat this. And so when you have a plan, your brain can start to calm down a little bit and, uh, and can anticipate what's coming next. Cause that's really, you know, when you're anxious about something, it's a lot of the unknown, right? Oh my God, what could happen? What if this goes horribly wrong? Okay. Well, what if it goes horribly wrong? What would you do? Do you have a plan? And so that's anxiety when you can pinpoint it to a certain thing. I would tell you with generalized anxiety, and I hear a lot of people say, I'm just feeling anxious today and I don't know why. I can't really pinpoint it to one thing. And I've done my meditation, I've done my breathing, I've done my coping strategies, and it's not going away. So here's what I want to talk about today that I think is different than what a lot of people talk about with anxiety. I want you to accept for a minute that maybe just being anxious is part of your process. And rather than trying to make that go away, I want you to kind of invite it in and say, all right, this is a part of my deal. I know that I get anxious and I don't know the answer and that makes it worse. And then I panic about being anxious because I want the feeling to go away. And what happens is when you put a pressure on yourself to just like make that go away, your brain goes into even more meltdown mode because it's feeling heavy and pressure to make something go away that it has no idea what to do because remember it's your brain trying to protect you when you're anxious so the point here is let's just say for a minute you invite that in as part of your process okay anxiety I'm anxious I'm feeling anxious so what I want you to do instead of saying I need to make this go away is I want you to start to say to yourself What is my anxiety trying to tell me that I need? What is my anxiety telling me that maybe I should do with my day or this moment? So for example, this is where you've got to get really accountable and honest with yourself. So if there's unresolved feelings with a partner, say, or there are things hanging in the wings that you haven't taken care of and there's things out there that need to be resolved or feelings that haven't been resolved. I want you to really get accountable to yourself and say, what's looming out there? Am I feeling like a bum today because I haven't worked out in a week? 
gosh, okay, maybe that's why my anxiety is manifesting right now. So maybe I need to hold myself accountable and go work out. Or maybe I need to hold myself accountable and resolve this fight that I had with my partner because that's looming. And that could be the reason that my body feels anxious. Um, And so when you can't pinpoint what's going on, I want you to really try to use that as an indicator to say, what do I need? So rather than trying to push that anxiety feeling away and saying, I don't want to feel this way, just like with our thoughts, feelings, and emotions, when I say figure out what you need to resolve it, I want you to figure out what you need to resolve the anxiety. Because oftentimes, you know, when our bodies feel anxious, it's usually over a single event. But if you can't pinpoint that and it's just this generalized looming feeling, you've got to get accountable to yourself and say, what's going on out there that maybe I haven't been doing or I need to be doing where I can hold myself accountable and and take care of myself? And maybe that is like the total opposite of what I just said. And maybe you've been going, going, going and your body needs a rest and you have to give yourself permission to have a day of rest. And so that could be the need. You could be feeling anxious because you're running, running, running and you haven't given yourself a day to rest because maybe you're shaming yourself for resting. So do you see the thought process that I'm going through um, versus, you know, making it just go away? I want you to say, what do I need? What is my anxiety trying to tell me about myself? And that means you've got to get really honest and self-accountable with yourself, right? And either take some action or give yourself some inaction and a rest day and not shame yourself for it. And I know that we want these feelings to go away. It is not fun to have that generalized feeling of like shortness of breath and looming and it doesn't feel good and it disconnects you from all the great things going on around you. So rather than feeling bad about yourself for having anxiety, I want you to start to say, all right, this is part of my deal. This is how my body has chosen to tell me that I need to do something different. So what is it? And how do I get accountable for that? And how do I take care of myself versus just shaming myself for this feeling? How do I get accountable and say, all right, my body's trying to tell me I need something. What is it? And then you take your power back by taking action over it. You take your power back by saying, this is a part of my process and it's my body telling me I need something. So what am I going to do with it? And if you need to write it down and give your brain something tangible to look at, do that. Draw yourself a roadmap. Let your anxiety be the start of a roadmap to say, what do I need to do here? And a lot of times they're little decisions. Sometimes they're really big decisions. Maybe it's ending a relationship. Maybe it's setting a boundary. But I'm telling you, the more you can let that be an indicator that you need something, your body's telling you we need to do something, and you push through the discomfort, you're going to start to reward yourself. So those chemicals like serotonin and dopamine and norepinephrine, you're going to get like a rush kind of by taking care of yourself and saying, hey, we're more powerful than we think. I'm not going to let this anxiety control me. I'm going to take my power back and do something with it. So I hope that that's helpful for you. Start thinking about what I've said today. Start thinking about how you're managing your anxiety. Is it controlling you or do you have an opportunity to control it by taking your power back and taking some action that could be um, very overdue? So 
I hope that helps you guys. If you're struggling with anxiety, I have to tell you, I always recommend reaching out to a therapist um, because somebody objective taking a look at how you're managing it might really be able to help you um, learn to take your power back as well and take a look at what's going on. And if you find that you're struggling with it and it's something that is difficult to control and it's controlling your life, please reach out for help. Um, We can do better and you can feel better and you are worthy of feeling better. So I hope that helps. Um, And if you guys have questions, email me at whatsnextwithlisa at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram or Twitter at What's Next with Lisa. Please take care of yourselves. And don't forget, today's a perfect day to ask yourselves, what's next? <laughs>